0: Hello everybody, my name is Said Maun, and this is on Talk for Wednesday 9th of March 2022. Obviously, in this week's episode, we're gonna be talking all about Apple's new devices. They did a they did their first event of the year and we gotten a whole lot of peak performance, let's just say that. Uh, to start with, we've gotten an all new iPad Air, an all new iPhone SE, the Mac Studio and Studio Display, which we'll actually be talking about first, uh, straight off the bat. Uh, And obviously, a new color variant of the iPhone 13 and the 13 Pro. Um, And uh, towards the end, I'm probably going to be talking about VW. And they finally showed off the ID bus, the electric version of their incredibly famous van, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'll definitely touch upon that uh, later on in the show. But first, we got to talk about Apple's newest goodies. I mean, the Cupertino. Uh, the folks over in Cupertino have shown off a pretty interesting Mac, let's just say. Now, the way I'm going to break down all of the new things that Apple obviously announced at their event, we'll go from most exciting stuff to quite least exciting. So uh, we're going to start with the most exciting part, and that is the Mac Studio and Studio Display and the iPad Air and the iPhone SE, in my own opinion, which is the most exciting of them all. But first of of all... We gotta talk about the Mac Studio. It is an incredible device. Um, how do how do you explain what the Mac uh, Studio is? It's basically a taller Mac Mini. It's a Mac Mini Pro, if they ever made one. Though the thing about Apple is they make pro versions of their desktop and laptops in a way so there's usually a pro version and this is the pro version but they call it the studio now the reason it is is this is basically designed for creative professionals your video editors your render uh, graphics uh, you know uh, special effects uh, vfx you know artists uh, graphic de- graphic designers uh, graphic artists uh music producers you know people mixing uh, mixing dj decks uh you know rendering videos rendering um graphics and all that kind of creative work the Mac Studio is designed for that it's got the process to do it uh over here you've got a pretty compact desktop it kind of gives you the vibe of the old uh, g4 cube if you remember that from apple when that was when the ipod came out they released that desktop was quite compact but was powerful Uh, so in terms of the footprint it's basically like a slightly fatter taller mac mini to start with uh, the mac studio has uh, its dimension you have a overall length of 7.7 inches with a height of 3.7 inches so it's quite compact and literally it tucks right under potentially tucks right under the pro display xdr which you can actually get for this uh desktop interestingly they kind of now interestingly it it's it's Equally as powerful as the MacBook Pro, but it's as compact as the Mac Mini, which is interesting. But, obviously, it is uh, more compact than the Mac Pro, in a way. So, the Mac Studio comes with the M1 Max processor, or the M1 Ultra, of the gate. And this is probably the only computer from Apple with the M1 Ultra chip. And if we talk about the M1 Ultra, it's pretty interesting. Basically, I decided to combine two M1 Max processors into a single high-speed processor with this uh, with an ultra fusion packaging basically that links up this two processors along with eight memory chips on either side uh, giving you incredibly fast performance apparently you get 2.5 terabytes per second of inter-processor bandwidth four times faster than leading into multi-chip interconnect would probably be compared to your Intels and AMDs of the world, was impressive. So the Ultra Fusion kind of fuses two M1 Max chips into a single uh, processor, uh, giving you incredible performance, and basically double the power of the fastest MacBook Pro, theoretically. So you get a 20-core CPU, uh, and then you get a 64-core GPU, and a 32-core neural engine. And You literally get two render engines, basically. There's like the, the custom part of the die that helps works to f- speed up ProRes uh, video rendering. So you can s- slide through videos butter smooth in a way. You get through the videos without any issues. It's so hard to explain this. But basically, it helps with your video editing and it kind of lets you go through uh, your encoding and all without an issue. But you get two of these on the M1 Ultra. So it's good for those high-intensity, high-resolution uh video and audio editing and, and rendering and those kind of work again it's good for those kind of tasks where you're put, putting in more uh it, again it's good for those intensive workflows you're pulling in lots of plugins you're rendering lots you're rendering lots of things in real time you want to see you're you're changing the grading of the color you're plug, putting in more audio plugins if you use logic pro if you're in final cut you're adding in more luts you're adding in more uh, plugins, you're switching all sorts of settings and seeing the final result right then and there. You're not rendering and then seeing the final result. You're doing it right as you're editing. So it's good for those intensive uh, tasks. You could probably make a metaverse out of... You could probably create... You can render a 3D metaverse almost with an M1 Ultra. I'm just saying it's it's that capable in a way. Apparently it gives you 90% higher multi thread performance uh, then a rivaling Intel i9 processor. It's written in the, in the small text down below and is apparently eight times, uh, has a GPU eight times faster, eight times the size of the M1, but gives you um, basically faster performance than the RTX 3090 using 200 watts of less power. That's the power of Apple Silicon, as they tend to say. But it's pretty cool. Overall, thanks to that M1 Ultra and that combined memory processors and all that you got the overall memory speed is about is up to 800 gigabits per second so you get and with the m one ultra you can get up to 128 gigabytes of combined memory so both the cpu and the gpu can access this memory in real time and that's way more than than your 390s and your uh radeon cards of the world where you get only up to 48 gigabytes of ddr6x memory if that's a thing really that's pretty cool again so and obviously on top of that you have the secure enclave you've got thunderbolt 4 support neural engine and the media engine which again lets you apparently according to apple's press release uh, lets you back, play back up to 18 streams of 8k ProRes 422 videos so you can make an oscar award-winning movie right from your uh, m1 ultra pro uh, computer which is pretty impressive now the m1 ultra is only on the mac studio so that's interesting uh nonetheless so that's pretty cool if you ask me. And again, it's very efficient being a complete system on chip, which is impressive. And uh, the M1 Ultra has 114 uh, billion transistors. 114 billion. There are more transistors on this puppy than actual humans on planet Earth. Pretty crazy to think, if you ask me. Yeah. So, the Mac Studio comes with the Max or the Ultra, as it is, out the gate, uh, in a way. But generally speaking, the Mac Studio gives you, uh, with the base spec processor up to 2.5 times faster CPU performance, the 27 inch Mac, uh, with probably the fastest processor out there. You get 50% faster CPU performance than the Mac Pro with a 16 core Xeon processor. So you get a definite bump up in performance and it's more efficient and draws usually less power than usual. And if you talk about the M1 Ultra because you're using double that processing power of the 1 M1 Max, you get 90% faster CPU performance. Overall, it's impressive what you can do with the Mac Studio. It's a pretty compact computer, doesn't draw much power, but you get a lot of performance and it's well optimized with macOS. So you can pull through high resolution video, 3D worlds, uh, highly complicated, you know, highly complicated uh, audio mastering. And you can probably master Dolby Atmos tracks on this bad boy without any issues and there won't be any crashes in a way. Uh, that is, the SSD inside the Max Studio can give you up to seven point gives you transfer speeds up to seven point four gigabits per second, and you can spec this to eight terabytes, eight terabytes. That's pretty interesting. So for RAM, uh, which I've said is combined CPU and GPU, if you have the M1 Max variant, Max Studio, you get up to sixty-four gigabytes, and up to one hundred twenty gigabytes with the M1 Ultra variant, which is the more bumped up one. So that's something to keep in mind. As for I.O. on the back, you have four USB C ports. It's all Thunderbolt 4, thank God for that. 10 Gigabit Ethernet. Oh yeah, now data. Now you can pull in all that juicy NAS data in seconds. We're talking you can pull in 8k video if you, I mean this is good for certain workflows in a way. Your power port power plug in the middle, which is aesthetically pleasing. Gotta appreciate that. When I saw it, it was pretty aesthetically pleasing. Two USB 3.0 ports. HDMI and a high impedance headphone jack. Pretty cool. And overall, the overall design, you got two fans underneath and a blow air sort of from below and push out towards the back. Again, typical Apple product, minimalist, aesthetically pleasing. Gotta appreciate what Apple brings to the table. You can kind of complain it's expensive but you get what you pay for usually. And on the front, you have two USB-C ports and an SDXC Card slot. Oh, see SD card support through that too? Like the MacBook Pro 2021 variant, uh, it's the same situation. The two front USB-C ports. If you have the M1 Max variant, you only have USB 3. The Ultra will give you two Thunderbolt ex- ports extra on the M1 Ultra variant. Do keep that in mind. If you ask me, I'd still go for the M1 Max variant. The Thunderbolts at the back. I'll still go for. It. I'll still reach the back of the. Mac Studio, how hard can it be? In a way, so it's a pretty impressive uh, device, uh, a pretty impressive desktop, if you ask me. For uh, individual, for uh, creatives, overwhelmingly, for uh, those working on 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 sort of gra- high intensity graphics. Basically, you're doing all the graphics for a for a virtual world, or even uh, making a highly complex track or video. It's pretty impressive in a way, so it's a pretty impressive computer given how excited I am. This is the most exciting thing I've seen, and uh, it looks really cool. I mean, um, this is a st- obvious, logically speaking, this sits well between the Mac Mini and the Mac Pro. The Mac Pro M series Apple Silicon variant hasn't really come out. We, were, I think, a lot of people were expecting a Mac Pro that would be available with an Apple Silicon chip, but I guess we'll have to wait till the end of this year or next year for that, but I'm not annoyed, honestly. I'm not disappointed. The Mac Book Pro and the Mac Studio are probably great for a lot of creatives out there, for, for over 90% of what creatives want. Uh, if you have very complex use cases for this, then, um, yeah, I mean, then then you probably have to wait in a way. But for everyone out there, it depends on, uh, you know, you really it depends on your workflow and what um, how intensive it is really, um, I'd say the M1 Ultra Max video would be great for the, for really working on, on visual graphics, on visual effects, uh, very photorealistic graphics and game development, and, um, 8K video editing potentially, and probably mastering complicated, uh, probably post-production, you're doing grading, color grading, and rendering for very high resolutions, very complex uh, workflows potentially. The M1 Max is like for all creatives out there, whether you're a TikToker, a YouTuber, you probably are making the next Billboard, uh, probably the, making the next chart-topping uh, electronica song or whatever that is. The M1 Max, Max Studio would, would be probably the mainstream Max Studio that I think everyone should get in a way for regular content creators who probably have decently complex workflows. So yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting device in a way. Um, so you're probably wondering about the price. To start with, the Mac Studio, the M One Max variant, will start from if I can pull this here, uh, two thousand dollars. So nineteen ninety nine, one nineteen hundred and ninety nine dollars for the M One Max variant, and in the and um, and the M One Ultra variant is like. Uh, $4,000 roughly, so double the price for the Ultra variant. If I can bring up Apple's prices here, that'll be interesting. Let's see. Uh, and in case you're wondering, the Mac Studio will be available from uh, March 18th. It will ship on March 18th, uh, and you can already uh, pre-order it, which is pretty cool. Uh, oh yeah, uh, so the On1 Ultra will start from $4,000, for starting for, uh, for the Studio with the Ultra. Processor in a way, and you get a and again you get double the performance in the Max in a way, uh, but obviously if you're a regular creative, I would highly suggest getting the two thousand dollar spec, uh, and probably double the memory, double the storage. The RAM is okay if your if your work is such that you need more RAM, theoretically it needs more RAM right then and there. The I would say double the memory on the M1 Max variant, and you're good to go. The Ultra would be for very specific workflows. They're very complicated, there's a lot going on, so that's that. And you're probably curious, the Ultra, but one thing is for sure, it is a lot, it's a whole. It's hell of a lot cheaper than a Mac Pro. If you compare it to a Mac Pro, pretty good deal, you know, sometime, uh, in a way. If you compare it neck and neck with the Mac Pro, it's a pretty good deal for now, and you're probably getting a lot of performance for your money, you're getting your bang for your buck, uh, given that we're in the world of Apple, in a way, so that's pretty interesting. Um, interesting enough, the M1 Max variant is going to be shipping a bit faster, so if you're in a rush, you get the Max variant. But obviously, check Apple's website for availability. It could obviously be a bit more delayed than usual. So, that's the Max Studio. It's uh, it's a pretty impressive uh, little computer that can pull a punch in editing tasks and rendering. It'll be a monster in editing and rendering. it would be a godsend for... Uh, content creators for producers for professionals everywhere um, it's interesting but you know if you ask me personally I'm kind of torn on what Mac to get but then I realized that the MacBooks kind of have uh, the M1 processors and the M1 Max and all and then the iPads obviously are getting the same processors we're going to get to the iPad Air in a moment but the M- iPads have the same processors as the MacBooks now the MacBook Air and the iPad Air now have the same M1 chip so how I'm looking at it ideally what I like about these new the new iPad and and Mac here today is you get the Mac Studio and the iPad Air and it'd be perfect pair basically obviously the Mac Studio you don't get a monitor and peripherals out of the box but you can get them down the road but the iPad Air could be your interface you can use sidecar with the Mac to connect to the Mac Studio and basically use the Mac Studio's processing power and do all the editing on the Mac Studio. And then the iPad Air is for your casual computing, social media, check. And again, you can connect to the Mac Studio and basically tap into that processing power because the Mac Studio is like a virtual desktop. It has more power, processing power theoretically. I'm just saying, okay, I digress, but this is what I'm thinking. It's, it's, I'm probably thinking way too much. But uh, at this point, you might as well buy a MacBook Pro. Obviously, Apple seems to offer, I saw a tweet the other day, uh, yesterday, kind of, uh, on Tuesday, late on Tuesday. And it was kind of showing a diagram that Apple's already, or Apple's already got like a iMac for the casual, high-performance users. And then, uh, you know, so it's got that segment covered. And then the Mac Studio, or the Pro, and the Mini uh, for professionals who want all the performance out there, and for those who don't want that performance but obviously want to be compact, uh, you have the MacBook Pro theoretically. And then there's nothing for the big, there's nothing for the everyday, there's no kind of portable everyday uh, device, you could say. Let's just say that uh, a personal computer every day for normal people. But then I realized the iPads do a wonderful job in that regard. The iPads, um basically do that work for the vast majority of people. The iPads, obviously, uh, are getting faster and faster day by day and are packing more of a punch uh, with compared to actual Windows laptops, which is impressive. So I think Apple may not be releasing a new MacBook Air very soon. But, but the thing is, you have the iPads, so they cover a lot of people's use cases in a way. And, you know, that's, that's interesting uh, nonetheless. It's something to point out, kind of. That's uh, that's uh, pretty interesting. Along with the Mac Studio, you had the Studio Display that came out. Now I'm a bit I'm a bit up in arms with this. The Mac Studio Display is cool, but I don't know who they made this for. You have the Pro Display XDR. I'm uh, one thing I will say straight off the bat: the Studio Display is basically a souped-up premium productivity monitor for for tech bros, for crypto bro- bros. You want an, an, a fancy schmancy. You know, gorgeous high-res, you know, overkill monitor to go with your MacBook. There are a lot of premium monitors, don't get me wrong. There's the Huawei, there's the Huawei monitor, which I talked about months ago at this point. I have saw it. it's pretty beautiful. 3x2 resolution, it's pretty nice. 60Hz, all that good stuff. Connectivity is top-notch. USB-C connectivity on that bad boy. There's also options from uh, from Asus and uh, C-Sonic or View Sonic, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, so the studio display is really—I don't know who they made this for. It's—it is obviously an all—it's an all-rounder like Apple's displays usually. Solid connectivity options. You have—you um, got an whole array. You got an array of USB C ports. You got three USB C ports, uh, giving you uh, allowing you to connect your peripherals and storage, uh, and dongles probably behind uh, your display. And there's one Thunderbolt port next to it that goes straight to your Mac of your choice. Uh, that could be a Mac Mini, Pro, anything really, any Mac that can do And an iPad is supported here, uh, but yeah. And that Thunderbolt cable could give you 96 watts of power straight, so that's pretty cool in a way. But you got the Pro Display XDR, and obviously that is a very expensive monitor, and it is really high resolution, and it's built for specific use case, but um, then again, I still don't understand who the... Uh, the Mac studio display is 4 in a way. Uh, but yeah, uh, the display tech-wise, you got a 27-inch 5K retina display, 600 nits of brightness, P3 color gambit, 60 hertz only. And you have a texture option also, like on the Pro Display XDR, which is pretty cool in a way. You got true tone and all that good stuff. Um, now, there's have they've added two bits and bobs, you could say, to the studio display that make it... Kind of nice productivity monitor. First is the cameras. You got a 12 megapixel ultra wide front facing camera, a nice webcam, fancy schmancy, good for your Zoom and FaceTime calls. And then you got a studio quality 3 microphone array and 4 force cancelling woofers and a 6 speaker system. It was pretty cool. And Dolby Atmos is supported on that speaker. So all around, it's a good casual monitor if you have a MacBook or you got a Mac Studio. Just for being for a casual desktop, it's a nice display to go with. Um, nice pairing, kind of, you could say, in a way. Uh, now, you're you're probably wondering about the price of the monitor and why I'm being a bit harsh on Apple about it. The Mac Studio display, kind of, let's just say that costs $1,600 US, which is a lot of money, if you ask me. And it, obviously, when you realize that the LG and also other... Other tech reviewers have touched upon it. MKBHD's touched upon it in a way, um, you know, uh, and um, Austin Evans kind of agreed. Added to this, it's kind of overkill. And obviously, it's again, this monitor is probably a nice uh, kind of. Uh, it's a kind of nice external monitor to have if you're a tech bro or a crypto bro, and you have all that extra money. Sixteen hundred dollars is a lot of money, if you ask me. Uh, you know when you especially when you know that there are better options out down the market you you get higher resolutions you get better display technology many leds available at that price in a way uh, asus dell um you know samsung sony they got nice professional monitors at that price or even below it if you search the market well enough and obviously you're probably wondering what about thunderbolt there is standable support on some monitors these days. L- yeah, I was about to say LG, yeah, I forgot about LG. LG makes good monitors. Uh, they got an ultra fine five K, pretty good monitor, and it's probably on sale these days at a variety of retailers. I mean if you kinda of search around and you already have a Mac, like a MacBook, or you got the Mac Studio, if you kinda of shop the market for a good professional monitor, they got a bargain and, and this is kinda of nice, but it's probably for casual folks. Probably just want an Apple product to go with another Apple product, a kind of complement. So that's pretty cool. And interestingly, on top of the new uh, Mac uh, and display, uh, you have accessories, A basically an all black kind of uh, Magic Keyboard, Trackpad and Mouse. Magic Mouse still has the lightning cable underneath the mouse. I hope they do change that design down the road. It'd be pretty interesting. Uh, nonetheless. But again regardless I'm pretty I I, I'm kinda annoyed at the studio display. If it was a thousand dollars for the display, then would be a good bargain right away. If it was a thousand dollars for the monitor would make a whole lot of sense. Even for the current climate we're in, would make a lot of sense. But sixteen hundred is kind of overkill. At that price, you might as well get a four K mini LED monitor. You can get a nicer spec uh, monitor at that price but the mac studio is pretty cool i mean if you ask me that that's a pretty exciting mac and again it it it, it it's it's in between the mini and the pro it's a pro mini technically so it's a pretty cool mac in a way uh, so that's pretty cool to have if you ask me so yeah, i kind of rambled on about the mac studio and studio display it's a pretty cool device now the other exciting device that apple showed off was the ipad air fifth gen now if you probably don't know, I have an iPad Air 2. It's a pretty good device. It's, it's basically lasted a very long time, ironically. Um, it's a solid device. I just wish there was more storage, but oh well. It's a pretty cool uh, tablet. It's just the perfect balance, you could say, between a uh, between the iPad Pro, which is absolutely overkill for certain folks and the extreme feature sets and then the ipad regular ipad which has the which has some big differences in terms of display and experience and it's a bit chonky in a way the ipad air is like the perfect balance in a way you don't compromise on performance but at the same time it's very casual it's very approachable it's not again it's not overkill or chonky in a way it's really good it's perfect for the i'd say it's the ipad for the vast majority of users you know it strikes a good balance it's very nice this is the fifth gen ipad air this is after the 2020 variant that came out in 2020 that was a big jump and it, it became a nicer kind of ipad pro in a way it's the cutesy one let's just say it's the cutesy ipad pro in that you get uh basically uh four pastel colors in a way but yeah for casual users it's a perfect ipad The start yeah and yeah, it comes in five colors space gray as always starlight pink purple and blue beautiful It's, oh, it's quite pastel, but it's beautiful. So, to start with, you have, uh, the iPad Air is obviously quite compact and thin, uh, but the biggest feature, in a way, or two big features, kind of, or three, in a way, is you have the M1 chip, finally, the Apple M1 chip that has been on the MacBooks and the iMac, and it's now on the iPad Air. It's crazy to think that that the iPad Air has the same processor as the iMac. It's crazy. I mean, and and how big is the iPad Air? It's probably what eleven inches ish, almost. Um, it's ten point nine inches. And a ten point nine inch tablet has the same processor as the as the Mac as the iMac, that, that's impressive if you ask me. USB C is available here, and you get two times transfer speeds, two times faster transfer speeds, and you get five G on cellular models, which is pretty cool. Uh, so. We're gonna talk the M1 chip here. It's you have an eight-core CPU, eight-core GPU, like on typical Macs, uh, with the M1 processor out there. It just bumps up your iOS It bumps up your iPad experience in a way, so you can do lots and lots of tasks, in a way, and you can um, and you can pro and you can do a lot more with your iPad. You can do proper full-on video editing. You can get Luma Fusion. You can get uh, full versions of Illustrator and Photoshop, and you can do full-on uh, creative tasks. Um, so it's a good starting kind of Mac it's a good starting iPad uh, for a lot of people out there who want to get uh, basically that performance well already get that performance but also get creative sort of, but they don't want to get the burden of a Mac um, where they have to learn Mac OS. So you kind you're right at home with iPad OS if you ask me. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there's 5G. so I don't know about the 5G here uh, that is. I don't think it's millimeter wave. The iPad Air doesn't come with millimeter wave 5G, it's probably sub-6, as I've seen in the keynote. So that's pretty cool. Still, in some places, sub-6 is faster than millimeter wave, usually. So that's a cool thing to talk about, in a way. Uh, USB-C is available, and you again, apparently, you get 2x faster transfer speeds. So you get up to 10 gigabits per second transfers. So that's pretty cool. So you can add, connect dongles, uh, external storage, and much, much more. So that's pretty awesome, in a way. And as I've earlier mentioned, you get a 10.9-inch Liquid Retina display, 500 nits of brightness, P3 color gambit, True Tone, uh, and you get those quad stereo speakers that uh, that the iPad is known for. You get the stereo speakers; it's best in class. You can't go wrong with the iPad Air. It's the perfect again. It's as it's probably affordable, like the the $329 iPad. Uh, but obviously it is beefy like the iPad Pro, so it's right in the middle. It it strikes a perfect balance, let's just say. The Apple Pencil 2nd Gen will work on this iPad Air, so that's pretty cool uh, in a way. So um, yeah, so it's a pretty cool iPad and if you're probably wondering about price, this starts at a regular, oh and and I gotta mention the camera because y'all are doing Zoom calls on your iPads and I'm also, I also have done a fair few video calls, so if you love video conferencing, good news. There's a twelve megapixel ultrawide camera on the front, as always. It gets center stage functionality, uh, so that sort of automatically adjusts the ultrawide uh, camera sort of view, so it zooms in, zooms out, uh, given what, who are who's coming in and who's coming out. Obviously, it's Apple, so it's Apple. So this is do- being done all on board there's no cloud processing which is a nice thing to have that's one good thing you could say about apple compared to (laughs) that search engine (laughs) that um massive phone manufacturer that sells phones for a tenth of the price of apple is they would send that data to the cloud whereas this functionality would be using the onboard processing on the m1 at least the processor has some good uses which i think is pretty nice to have i mean uh, so you have that center stage functionality pretty cool the ipad uh, Air fifth gen starts from six hundred dollars for the uh, five ninety nine for the uh, regular Wi Fi variant and seven forty nine for the cellular and you get sixty four and two hundred fifty six gig variants so two fifty six gig Wi Fi will be about seven fifty I think six fifty it was somewhere it was like an, an additional hundred bucks if I remember uh, so yeah that's pretty cool as it is um, so yeah I mean. I've had an iPad Air 2. I really am tempted now that you really think about getting an iPad Air 5 uh, because you have the M1 processor and it's incredibly fast. But I also want to make sure I get one with more storage if you ask me because if you use an iPad, you really need all that storage because now you're going to use the iPad like a like a proper laptop in a way. You get a you get Apple's own keyboard keyboard case. Or probably a third party one from logitech or bridge keyboards big shout out to bridge keyboards they probably, they probably make the closest thing to a laptop keyboard case thing uh, so check out bridge if you're interested I'll you know I'm not sponsored but would recommend them I've heard good things about their uh, keyboard cases so you gotta use it like a kind of casual prosumer laptop need extra storage there's external storage supports you can plug in an ssd or a flash drive and move files out but it's a bit too cumbersome for close comfort so i'd recommend add, get, getting extra storage if you can't uh, if you're not bothered using external storage so i'd recommend getting a maxed out storage uh so yeah that's that's pretty cool in a way um it's a real cool ipad i'm excited it has an it has an n1 chip Um, Now you get the Mac iMac performance on a device that's 10.9 inches. Who knew we were going to get to that point in 2022? It's impressive. And if we're going to talk about another refinement, it's the iPhone SE. A new iPhone, great, awesome. So the real difference here is the iPhone SE has got the same body as the previous iPhone SE. But you have A15 Bionic and you get a regular 12 megapixel camera. But you have access to features now like Smart HDR 4, photographic styles, deep fusion because that A15 chip. Pretty cool. And you get 5G. Wow. You know, you know that meme of a dude who comes in the middle and goes, wow. Yeah, that kind of wow. You get 5G on this puppy. It's pretty cool. Um, and you get three regular colors, midnight, starlight, and product red. So it's pretty impressive uh, in, a, in the same way in, that's pretty impressive. As always, the iPhone SE is Apple's most affordable iPhone, uh, value-packed. It's compact, it's pretty compact. The iPhone 13 mini is still the most compact of the of the Brady brunch. This is obviously a bit more normal for the average smartphone user. It's obviously the iPhone for beginners. You know, this is the iPhone to get if you're a dummy. If you don't know how iPhones are and you're not familiar with the extra cameras, you're not familiar with the processing, you're not familiar with the storage or the smart functionality of the iPhone. This is like a good starting device, and you get two chargings included here, which is pretty cool. In a way, the A15 here on the iPhone SE 2022 uh, gives you basically 1.8 times faster performance than the iPhone 8. If you have an iPhone 8, probably think of upgrading. I would say you'd probably hold on another year until you know hold on on one more year and then upgrade to this iPhone SE. But it's a great option if you want to upgrade. That is so. That's pretty interesting. If you're a right, about 5G, the iPhone SE only supports mid-band, low-band 5G, so sub-6 uh, 5G, not millimeter wave. If you want millimeter wave and you're say in the U.S. where millimeter wave is available broadly from Verizon, from AT&T, um, get the iPhone 13 series because that would it'd be supported on those devices. Interestingly, so basically the gist of it all is that the iPhone SE is uh, is the same body, almost the same kind of camera, a bit, bit of a bigger battery in a way, a bigger battery, you could say, uh, slightly bigger because they have a more efficient chip and a bit more, bit more of a bigger battery in a way. And you get a faster processor and you get 5G support because of that uh, processor. So that's pretty impressive and this will surely will last. The iPhone SE will start at $429. You can get it in 64, 128, and 256 gigabyte storage uh, variants. I don't understand why they still offer a 64 gig iPhone. It, it baffles me. And 30 extra dollars. I mean, I, th- I bet you're paying 30 dollars extra for the 5G. I mean, it probably is worth it. Again, this is an iPhone for the beginners, kind of, for those starting out, moving from Android to iPhone. iPhones are great. I mean, in their own way, in their own style, in their own respect. They're good in their own way. So yeah, $430, it's pretty cool. Uh, you can pre-order it this Friday, uh, if uh, if you're able to pre-order an iPhone, that is. And you'll be able to get it next Friday, which is pretty cool, on March 18th. So uh, that was, uh, you could see the level in my voice. It's not that exciting in a way, but it's nice to have. It's a nice iPhone for those who really need it. Um, so yeah, that that's pretty cool. And now the other, before we kind of move to the least exciting bits, uh, we've got to talk about the uh, little things Apple did in the background uh, during the keynote. Uh, so if you're looking to get a high-performance Intel iMac, uh, bad news, the 27-inch iMac has been discontinued, so you can't buy it from Apple's website. You can get it on sale from third-party retailers in the black market, but you can't get the 27-inch iMac with Intel processors. That kind of sucks, if you ask me, but then again... Uh, pretty, again, it kind of sucks in a way. God, drink water. I'm getting exhausted. <laughs> so much energy in a way. And if you're getting the Apple Studio Display, you're probably one of those people who'd probably get the Studio Display. Just keep in mind that uh, you have the option to to get a uh, a regular tilt and height adjusting and VESA mount uh, sort of display version. But uh, the adapter, whatever, which one, whichever one you get, will be the mount. So you can't change it out. So that kind of sucks. So that's the only one you'll get. If you ask me, I'd probably get the VESA mount uh, version because you can still uh, move around. uh, You could still put it on a uh, on a mount of your choice in a way, a monitor mount of your choice. So I'd recommend the VESA in a way. But once you do that, uh, you cannot change it out. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I really expect Apple, of all brands, to offer support for the Vasa, but I'm sure they probably realized the disaster that came with the Vasa adapter from their regular uh, arm uh, that they include. So they probably did this as a safe, uh, as a bit of a safe choice, uh, playing it safe, kind of, uh, probably better, better safe than sorry, you could say. If you ask me, I'd get the Vasa version, you know, that'd be a bit flexible. But yeah, uh, that's something to keep in mind, if you ask me uh that is and then and then on top of that on top of that uh we have we also other updates kind of came with the event uh we have new color finishes for the iphone 13 series it happens every year uh, last year it was i think last year they offered a purple finish for the iphone 12 i think it was before the iphone 13 came out in a way that was pretty awesome this year they're showing off green uh, which is one of my favorite colors. So the iPhone 13 will come in this gorgeous looking uh, regular uh, green. But it's a bit dark darker in a way, and the iPhone 13 pro will come in a fancy schmancy alpine green. It's uh you kind of feel like you're it's it's the same kind of green overtone. It looks a little bit like British racing green like you if you get an Aston Martin usually if you have, if you ever if you ever know an Aston Martin, And they have a racing green. A Burish racing green. It's very similar. And probably the green you get on luxury watches. So it's got a fancy schmancy feel. You probably don't want to put a D-brand skin over this. but It looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, On top of the midnight black. And um, the, the graphite. And silver. And gold. It looks stunning. But then the regular iPhone 13 in green. Also looks stunning. So that's pretty cool in a way. And if you want to get the new... Uh, iphone 13 uh, in the green color uh, you're able to get it uh, sort of this friday uh, you're able to pre uh, able to get it uh pre-ordered this friday and you will get it next friday hopefully on march 18th so if you are looking to get a new color iphone uh, you know what to do and then uh, and then this and this is the last one it's not that exciting but it's something minor you could say uh and then and it was at the, it announced it at the beginning it was kind of exciting because they no usually uh, now, Apple obviously is not just a maker of hardware. They also are a content and services player. They have their own services: Apple Music, Apple iCloud. You could say, um, you know, Fitness Plus, um, Apple TV Plus, the Apple TV app, and uh, they made a big move. I'd say that uh, is gonna, uh, that's going to send a humongous signal. You could say. To the broadcast and cable sports networks out there, your ESPNs and your um, and Garden and all your regional sports networks of the world. In a way, Apple has teamed up with with Major League Baseball. You could this 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 one is interesting. I mean, uh, Apple's scored a bit of a Friday night home home run. You know, uh, they knocked it out of the park. Uh, that's because Apple is teaming up with MLB to stream. Uh, two Friday night games of the MLB um, in the United States and the United Kingdom and Canada, and in eight countries of the world where baseball is quite popular. It's the first time Apple is broadcasting live sports on their streaming service. The Apple TV app, obviously, you can watch live uh, games, football, basketball, soccer, all the following. Uh, but obviously, you link in, uh, you integrate uh, all the streaming apps and providers and authenticate, then you get access to those matches. Here you're getting uh, live games because you have Apple TV Plus. It's exciting. We've I've kind of been hearing rumblings of it for a long, long time that oh, Apple is gonna buy rights to Premier League football, basketball, NFL, uh, MLB, MLS, this sport, that sport. Uh, I, I someone I don't know someone on Twitter said that Apple could buy rights to Formula One. I mean that'd be awesome though. If you if you're not gonna lie, that's but that'll be hard, obviously, because uh, F one rights are obviously sought after. Football rights, especially the Premier League, are quite sought after, and uh, broadcasters will pay billions for those rights. Obviously, Apple starting out with their sports forte—it's a—it's—it's it's, it, the T—it's in the name, Apple TV Plus. So there's the TV and Apple TV Plus here, with Friday night f- baseball. Uh, so you get you'll get pre-game and post-game coverage along with a 24-hour. Uh, sort of live stream channel that gets gets you access to replays, analysis, you know, shows about baseball, uh, you know, highlights. So that's pretty cool. And uh, starting out for the first couple of games, the first couple of Fridays, you're able to stream those games for free on Apple TV app if you live in the US or the UK. It's pretty cool what Apple's doing here in a way. And obviously this expands further on Apple's collaboration with MLB given that MLB uh, was one, re- made one of the first apps of the iPhone. MLB TV was available on the Apple TV box for a very long time before the App Store was a thing. And um, and obviously there's the AdBat technology and again, there's there's a heritage. There's a history of Apple working with MLB. It's a trusted partner of Apple. So that's pretty interesting. I heard about MLB, that they're currently in kind of a lockout, a kind of dispute between the players and the teams. So I do hope they resolve that. Obviously, it kind of sucks. Obviously, uh, greed is is supreme in sports, but I hope they sort out that lockout and we do get to see this year's season. But it's more awesome to know that there'll be uh, there'll be Friday night baseball. You get two matches every Friday, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, and there's no and one thing I want to say here. They mentioned the press release. If you are a local sports fan in America. No broadcast restrictions. If you know this whole thing, if you're a fan of, I don't know, say the New York Yankees. If you watch the Yankees, you probably live not that far from the Yankees stadium. Um, and if you try to watch a Yankees game, it's blacked out. It's a rear is a serious problem, and people are very annoyed. And some people are pay extra for services or for st- for a streaming service where they can watch those matches Now, blackouts. So yeah, it's pretty cool to see that Apple is streaming live sports, regardless, be it baseball. I do hope that they get rights to stream live cricket and live football. That'd be awesome, because the Apple TV app is quite versatile. And also, Apple, they have that element of technology, so they'll able to pop in features that uh, traditional broadcasters won't do, like 1080p 60 streams or 4K 60 frames a second streams, hopefully. That'd be awesome, in a way. And uh, again, who knows, they're probably able to bring... All those uh, all those strikes and home runs for new sets of fans who probably are streaming a lot and are not watching cable or satellite television They're not watching ESPN for sports so again it, it, it's it's kind of interesting it's a power move from Apple but it's pretty awesome on top of all the award-winning shows and movies Ted lasso included Ted Lasso it's a pretty good show Probably the best the I'd say I say the best series on Apple TV plus is Ted lasso I mean I' I don't have Apple Plus, so I kind of, you know, binged it from somewhere. But it's a really good show, and and, and it's top notch. And I've heard good stuff about um, about the morning show and um, and um, Stranger Next Door and V Crash is coming. That's pretty cool. I've heard I've heard good reviews about V Crash. I've listened to the original podcast of that uh, of that series, uh, the adaptation that's being based on. It's, um they're going to take some of the crazy experiences and they're going to obviously dramatize it, obviously. So um, hopefully, hopefully it is a good show to watch. Uh, but again, it's pretty awesome to see that Apple streaming live baseball. They're, they've striked, they've, uh, they've uh, striked a the home run right here. Then the crowd goes wild. Most of them, obviously, not all of them in a way. And yeah, speaking of other things going on in technology. Aside from Apple, Apple and Apple, um, Nothing, which is CarPay's new company that you made after quitting OnePlus, is doing an event next week on March 23rd, Wednesday, March twenty 23rd, uh, uh, next week, basically, and, um, and we don't know much aside from that. It says nothing but the truth as it is, um, and there's a little logo of Snapdragon, which means we're going to get to see a phone, a nothing phone, nothing much. High performance, <laughs> cool, and also it's it's unique to say that uh, the phone itself has been has been leaked in a way. So, yeah, that's uh, you know that's interesting. The title of the event is the truth. So if you pronounce it with the brand name, nothing but the truth. So that's pretty cool in a way. So that's funny, nonetheless. And um, and another one, another launch next week, uh, in the coming week, is Xiaomi's 12 series, uh, which uh, this is a global event, finally, for the Xiaomi 12. It was already launched in China. Pretty good phone I've heard of. Um, it, it's Xiaomi's flagship series. And uh, we'll get to see that Xiaomi 12 and 12 Pro and the 12X uh, for the global audience, for Europe, for Asia, for uh, the Russian-speaking countries, including... Yes, Russia, Ukraine, Bel- Belarus and Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan and obviously uh, all the rest of the world outside of China that get Xiaomi phones. So pretty awesome to see what the global spec will be. Uh, so can't wait. Uh, that's on March 15th. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's a cool launch. Gonna look forward to that in a way. I don't watch a lot of phone launches. Obviously the big ones I try to watch like Samsung and Apple. But the little, little ones probably, if I get chance, I'll probably catch up on... Show Xiaomi's launch events in a way, but um, they kind of go by so quickly. You know, there's not much media attention. So, yeah. So, that's pretty interesting nonetheless. Uh, and finally, the ID bus. Finally, they showed off the ID bus as is. It's incredible. It's a, it's a, it's, it's Volkswagen's all-electric, cutesy VW van, the iconic van that everyone knew, knew and loved. Um, the transport, the the. Transporter van, now called the ID Buzz, the electric bully, which everyone uh, wants to have, and it's a quite an exciting device. Uh, sorry, quite an exciting car. You know, I keep thinking electric vehicles are devices, but they kind of are a phone on wheels in a way, if you think about it. But it's an exciting electric vehicle. Now, we've seen the concept a million times, we've seen the car out in action, out on the road, we've seen the sort of the hands on impression videos. If you now, want to know the actual final specs in a way. So one thing we do know is the ID bus and ID bus cargo. There's going to be a cargo version. Pretty awesome. The ID bus and the cargo variant are based on Volkswagen's ID architecture, which has been powering the ID Four, the ID three and the ID five um, that Volkswagen has been offering. So that's pretty cool. Uh, on top of that, uh, in terms of power, serious power, you have a hundred and fifty kilowatt electric motor on the rear, like the T1 regular, like the original VW van. You have the battery that's integrated like a sand like a skateboard in a way, design wise. That means that the overall floor is flat and that you got a low center of gravity. You got a good good weight balance. That is, we're gonna say that. Um, interestingly. For charging, you're gonna you're probably wondering about charging. You could charge from eleven kilowatt AC chargers. You can use CCS, uh, which means you can get access to DC chargers, giving you access to charging speeds up to one hundred and seventy kilowatts, uh, which is pretty awesome. So you can go from five percent to eighty percent in thirty minutes, uh, so, or almost around that amount. And uh, good news—they didn't announce originally, but good news—the final ID Buzz that will come out this year and next year—you uh, have you will also be able to do vehicle to home. Basically, uh, you'll also do biodirectional charging so you can feed the battery you can feed your home uh, using the ID Buzz's batteries you can send power from the batteries to the house so that supports it and that's pretty awesome uh, and you guess but you need to use a special DC wall box basically a charger that can push power from the batteries into the uh, into your home's grid that's pretty awesome so uh, that's uh, it's again it's pretty nice to have. Other fun facts: You have uh, for the for the overall, you have up to two thousand and two hundred five liters of cargo. Uh, it's about 11, around eleven hundred liters if you use the second row of seats as it is. You get three point nine cubic meters of cargo space in ID bus Cargo, uh, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, so apparently, it is like an MP It's a mini van. But it's got the turning circle of a regular car. It, it's it's sturdy. It's snappy. It, it 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 has the drag coefficient of a car according to the press release. So for, uh, if you're probably wondering, the ID Buzz Regular has a drag coefficient of zero point two eight five and zero point two nine for the cargo. Pretty impressive. That's around zero point three ish. That's pretty good. So it, it it's a it's a speedy little sucker. Compared to tradition to the old VW vans, it's not sluggish or heavy. Almost, uh, I've seen I've seen hands-on videos like the Car Wow one. I'll try to link it in the show notes here later on, uh, and it kind of turned the car. The turning circle is quite sharp, so that's pretty impressive. In a way, um, so as I mentioned earlier, you have the regular ID Buzz, and then there's the cargo variant of the ID Buzz. It's pretty impressive. It's a pretty cool car, in a way. And I've mentioned about the battery, and you're wondering about range. You have a 77 kilowatt-hour battery, um, so you can probably guess the range from that. Um, it probably will go a fair, fair, fairly long distance in a way. They didn't mention the range. I think it's about your circumstance and what you do with the car and how far you go and and all that kind of stuff in a way. But um, let me let me try to pull up the range for the ID Buzz regular um is it's it's an interesting car if you ask me i mean i kind of tried to check the range and uh, it uh, based on the 77 kilowatt hour battery i'd say but would be about 200 or 300 miles it's not final obviously as it gets closer to launch uh it, the range will probably be around to the 300 probably so we're probably i would suggest like waiting until the actual launch to see the actual range and i'll probably check reviews to see how far it actually goes and how efficient but obviously, it seems like VW has made one of the best electric architectures. So, it, to be optimistic, 250, 250 miles would be would be doable on this uh, ID Buzz. But also, it's a minivan, so once you add start adding things onto it, it'll add weight. The overall motor will kind of slow down, and you probably would get less than that. So, I'm not surprised why they didn't give an exact range yet. Probably when it finally launches later this year, uh, they'll probably it'll probably be uh, they'll probably have an exact figure. In a way, um, that is, if you're wondering about when to get this car or how much it costs, the cost I found, I checked online, they didn't give an exact pricing uh, given that cars obviously unpredictably can cost way more than what they're starting. This ID Buzz will start from €50,000 or £50,000 starting based on what I've read online. Uh, And the ID Buzz and Buzz Cargo will be available later in autumn in Europe as it is with 2023 model cars. And uh, you'll be able to get it uh, sort of uh, la- later on, probably early next year in the US. Uh, given how much demand there is for electric cars in at the moment, uh, you can pre-order it. You can start booking the car in May. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. For fifty thousand pounds or fifty thousand euros, it's pretty c- cool. It's pretty good. It's obviously almost uh, one point five times more than the ID Four cost-wise. It's almost identical in design. It's a kind of nice it's basically the it's the iconic VW van that everyone knows and loves, the iconic hippie van. It's got the ID design and flow and touch in a way, and you got the safety features too, which is pretty cool to have. I didn't touch on the safety features because I think they're probably almost standard on other vehicles. But in case you're wondering about um, safety features, you got lane assist, front assist, travel assist, and you got Car2X local warning, which is pretty cool so it takes signals from the transport infrastructures. they tend basically it's a smart system to, to warn you there's a stop sign there's a traffic light so the car stops that's pretty cool in a way and they're also going to work on autonomous vehicles also with this car so that's pretty cool uh in a way and also they're obviously pushing e-mobility and e-logistics with this car so that's pretty cool but for me the real impressive parts of the id buzz uh, being someone who's never really driven a lot of cars but probably keep seeing them is how that this is a van but that it drives it's a quick little bugger sort of it it kind of apparently it can park into a tight spot like a golf apparently that's pretty cool in a way it's it's pretty cool and then there's the environmental credentials this car signified the hippie movement decades ago they obviously then pushed for environmental conservation and going out into nature and this car kind of is true to its nature, let's just say that, in that um it's environmentally friendly, um, it's kind of carbon neutral in overall in its production and um and the fact that there's synthetic materials and all and that um and that it is electric cars obviously don't come don't don't really burn carbon dioxide. So once you start driving it as as long as you drive it it's gonna basically uh, be environmentally friendly almost uh, for you and your carbon footprint would go down but before a van it's pretty cool uh you can now do full electric road trips so it's, it's a nice car kind of and a cargo version it'll be very handy for businesses that want all electric logistics you could say carbon neutral logistics they don't want to use a fat truck for if they're a local business kind of they want to go from one neighborhood to the next doing deliveries they're not going to be gas guzzling uh, as regular vans and but the maneuverability and the and the ergonomic the you could say the the you could say the how do i say it the the efficient not the efficiency but the, the aerodynamics of this car and the the fact it's electric and it's, it's again it's quite snappy almost and the turning circle is quite sharp this is going to be a hit right away i think a lot of people are going to run out and buy this uh van i mean uh, i mean me saying it would probably not change that fact i mean this is this is a version this is the electric version of an iconic van so there are people who will be interested in this car so that's pretty exciting and uh, again cannot wait for this car to be out in the wild and I definitely would want to try this. So, it's, again, it's pretty exciting nonetheless. So, yeah, that's... Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it re- it's really that exciting. What do you think of everything you've heard today? Um, the new Apple devices, the Mac Studio, the iPad Air. Let me know. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at saynarscomer 99 This episode has already reached the hour-long mark because I kind of wanted to sort of share my... Uh, opinions and reactions sort of these new products. Um, yeah, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening right now. It's a lot of work to make this. So I absolutely, absolutely appreciate your support, uh, sharing it, subscribing, and uh, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That would definitely help. And yeah, till next week, this is Zubomar and signing out. Wherever you are, whatever you're up to, stay safe, take care. And uh, yeah, I'll see you Next week, hopefully, with another episode of On has Got to Talk. Uh, All right. Have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you for listening. Ciao.